0: I just want to point out what he read in verse 5. Actually, I'll start verse 4. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. Now, the city of God is the people of God. Okay? Can you say, I am part of the city of God? I'm part of the city of God. That's right. Just wait. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. That's another description of us. We are the holy place because God Himself dwells inside of us by His Spirit. He says that in the next verse. God is in the midst of her. In the midst of who? The city of God. He's in the midst of you and me those of us who know Jesus. She shall not be moved. I played a game when I was a Boy Scout where two guys stand together. They stand about two feet apart. Dale, come here. You can illustrate with me. They put their hands up, and they can't move any closer, and they can't move any further away, and the object is to push the one guy off balance. And you can move your arms back, right? So so I could push Dale. He moved back. But if Dale put his arms back, I couldn't push him. But he could push me if I'm not careful. Whoop, It's like that. Some of you guys played that game when you were kids. God is in the midst of her. she shall not be moved. Do you think that about, do you believe that about yourself? That what circumstances come upon this nation or upon our world, that you don't have to be moved? out of a place of safety and security in your God. I think we need to work on that one. Listen to this next verse. God shall help her when just at the break of dawn. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that's a really long night. God's help is coming at like 5 a.m. in the morning when the sun starts to come up, starts to get a little bit light. But we have to remember that God will come. He will come. And He will give us what we need to endure the night season. you believe that? You've got to hold on to that. I'm going to stop right there. I could preach this just from this psalm. Thank you, Don, so much for uh, reading that to us this morning. Somewhere around you are these little three-by-five cards, and uh, these are for you to write down a question or a comment or something, if God is speaking something to you, giving you a glimpse or a picture or something you feel is from the Lord, and then I want to ask you to, if God does give you something, put your name on it if you want me to respond to it or you want us to know who it is, you can do it anonymously if that's important. But I want you to drop it in our offering box there, the wood box behind Kelly by the doors. Because when you have questions or comments I want to be able to know what they are and to know how to respond to that. We've got about seven or eight that I'm working on and we'll be, we'll be coming back to some of those in the days ahead, weeks ahead. All right, Dale. Okay, we're on Facebook Live, so something I'm still getting used to. How many of you want to come up here and do a Facebook Live? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It's really weird because you don't know who's watching you and you don't know what they're thinking. And uh, if you're secure in God, it doesn't matter, right? But this morning, um, I want to pray over our offering real quick before I I share um, But I feel like God's put in my heart. So again, we're not taking offerings during this COVID pandemic season because of the guidelines we have. We can't pass things, okay? So we have a box that Jerry Zuniga built. It's beautiful over there. And I encourage you to um, get an envelope. There are envelopes underneath many of the chairs. Or they're also in the hallway, too. Um, We had an amazing June. It was way over budget. Then we had a really small July. So we're kind of like even again. So I want to encourage you to be faithful in your giving. A lot of that is reflected in people who are out of town vacationing and so on. But God is so faithful, He just continues to meet all of our needs. Um, I want to pray over our offerings whenever we give it, okay? Lord God, I just want to thank You for Your people. I want to thank You, Lord, that You have promised to be our supply, to be our resource, to be our provider we're actually going to talk about that in our message a little bit today. Lord, I ask that we can really increase in our ability to trust you with the things of life, with the things we need, with the material things that we all are in need of hour by hour, whether it's food or clothing or shelter or health issues. Lord, I just want to thank you for the things you speak to us And I ask, Lord, that as your people are faithful in their giving, that you would bless them and you would show yourself strong. I just thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to talk about worship and worry. Worship and worry. And um, I think we're going to find some interesting connections. But um, Brooke told me that it'd be good for me to tell a joke once in a while, especially during this somber season. So this morning I have a pirate joke for you guys. And I wish TJ was in here because TJ loves pirate jokes, so you're just going to have to take this back to him, okay? So there's this pirate captain, and he goes in to the doctor, and he, and he says, uh, he says uh, Doctor, I think I've, I've got some moles on my back, and I think one of them might be cancerous when you check me out. And uh, the doctor looks at the pirate Real carefully, he looks at his back and he says, he says, Captain, he says, I think these, uh, these moles are benign. And the, and the captain looks at him and goes, I think you better count again. I think there'll be 10. All right, you guys caught most, most of you caught that. Not benign, but be 10. Right? So there's your joke for the day. <laughs> I hope that makes you feel a little lighter, right? <laughs> I'm not a big joke teller in, uh, when it comes to uh, Sunday mornings. But. So I want to talk about worship and worry a little bit, so hopefully you're worrying a little less. But um, I want to start out with, we're in this kind of like, I'm just doing these messages from the Red Letters, and uh, there's a song out about the Red Letters on radio station, but these are the words of Jesus that in many Bibles are put in red in the New Testament. So I'm just kind of, I've been preaching from some of the um, discourses that Jesus did, some of His teachings. And this one is from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through about 11, I think it is, 10 or 11. And um, you know, they did a quiz and they asked people just in general and public, uh, what is the Sermon on the Mount? And one of the a multiple choice questions they had was Jesus was speaking from a horse. And actually about 30% of the people thought that's what the Sermon on the Mount was. Jesus was speaking from a horse. Actually, that's not true. He was speaking from a mountain. It was actually a big hill in, in the Israel and Lake Galilee in the north end of the lake. It, from the lake, it just kind of goes up into these hills. And it was like a natural amphitheater. And we got to visit there when I was uh, able to go to Israel about 10 years ago, and uh, it was really cool because you can talk down there at the bottom and everybody—you it amplifies the sound. It's really cool. So Jesus was able to stand on these crowds of people, thousands of people were gathered around him and uh, was able to speak, and they could all hear his words. It was an amazing thing. So starting in Matthew 6, verse 24 through 30, I'm going to read through 33. I'm going to read this. Jesus is speaking to us and he says, No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. And I know when I'm reading, I'm going, what is the connection there? Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to Him than they are? And he asks this question, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I think in Luke he says, Can all your worrying add a single centimeter to your height? And then he gives another illustration in verse 28. Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows what you need, all your needs. And then he closes by saying, seek the kingdom of God above all else. I love the older version, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And live righteously. And and literally that means seek His righteousness, not your own. And He will give you everything that you need. So Let's pray. Lord, help us to be ground that can drink in the water you are pouring this morning. Holy Spirit, come and help us to allow the seeds that you are planting in us to take root and to bear fruit, to see our faith increase and our trust and belief in Your care increase. Then, Lord, let our worship go up to You. We ask it in Jesus' name. So, Jesus is talking about worship and worry, but He's also talking a lot about trust, isn't He? And so I'm going to be asking you guys some questions this morning, and I'm hoping that you will be um, unhindered in saying things that pop into your head, answers, okay? So so Jesus starts with a a clear statement, which is that nobody can serve two masters, right? And and then he gives us, and he says, you know, there's just going to be a huge conflict if you try to do that. And then he gives us one concrete example. You can't trust God and what? Right, you can't. And he says, Don't be enslaved to money. That reminds me of the song we sang a few weeks ago, right? I'm no longer a slave to fear. You could say, I'm no longer a slave to money. Now, is, is money evil? So, what, what, is, what is evil when it comes to money? The love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil. It says in 1 Timothy, I think, chapter 6. And so it's, it's the place that money has in your heart. And money, of course, represents stuff, material things, possessions, right? And, and the grip that those things have in our, our mind and our hearts. So Jesus says that you're going to have to make a choice which thing you're going to worship. You're going to worship God are you going to worship all the stuff that you can get with your money? Now, I am well acquainted with this. Besides being a pastor, I am a person that has struggled with temptation for stuff. It was it was I've had to learn a lot of hard lessons. You know, whether the stuff was a really cool guitar or a really cool old restored car or it was a house or whatever, You know, guys have a certain list of things they tend to like that's a little different from what the ladies would desire. And uh, I've wanted tools, I've wanted motorcycle, bicycle, you name it. At different times, there were things that I decided I wanted and I would like latch on to it with my affections. And I know I'm not the only one that's ever gone to sleep meditating and imagining what I would do with that really cool old car or truck or gun or bicycle or motorcycle or whatever it is. And again, I'm thinking from a guy's point of view there. Jesus says that we have to make a choice of what we're going to worship. So what does it look like to worship something. This is now a question. I'm throwing it over open to you guys. What are some of the ways that we express worship of something? Okay. Yes, Jen. A lot of time. We think about it all the time. They call that obsessing, right? Okay. I know some of you are getting convicted already. Okay, what's another way that we worship something? Yes, Katie. Yeah. putting energy into giving ourselves to it our energy. Okay? What's another thing? Yeah. Getting our finances. I'm going to buy that timeshare. I'm going to get that boat. I want to get that old motorcycle. I want to get a Harley and look cool going down the highway. We just had Sturgis, so got to throw that in. So you ever think about that that really is a form of worship? And and it's meant to provoke you to think about these things that I'm pouring into myself, my time, my energy, my money, resources. Am I worshiping them a little? Are Are they getting a higher place than they should be getting? So I want to shift for a second And the next thing I want to ask you is, what is the connection between what or who you worship and what you worry about? you thought about that? Jesus makes a direct connection here. He's talking about you've got to choose if you're going to worship God or you're going to worship other things. And then He says, Got a problem with worry. Got a problem with worry. You ever thought about that? So, anybody got an idea of how they're connected? There's no wrong answers here. Yes, Katie. Well, that's definitely true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's really good. That's not exactly what I'm looking for, but boy, we'll take it. So what's the connection between what you choose to worship and what's, what, why you're worrying? Hmm? Distraction? Well, that's really true, too. So I'm not sure. Yeah, Francisco. Oh, yes, please. Oh, there it is. Whoa, that's insight. He just hit it on the head, didn't he? Let's give him a hand. Thank you. And, and he's, you're visiting too, so we thank you for being so bold. So you hit it on the head, you're going to worry about things if you're not sure that what you're putting all your hope and trust in is going to come through, right? And if you're not putting God in that place of providing for you, then you've got to put somebody else in that place or something else in that place. You've got to put a job in that place or you've got to put family in that place or somebody with the money that's going to take care of you. That inheritance I'm waiting for, or whatever. Yeah. The paycheck. Really. And if it's up to me to provide all my needs, and, and, and I've got a bunch of kids or people depending on me to provide for them, then I have to pretty much be like God, don't I? I'm going to have to make sure that I don't fall down and hurt myself on the job, but I keep that paycheck coming, or I, or whatever it is, if I'm not putting all my eggs in God's basket, then I've got to watch those eggs myself. And that is worry, isn't it? It really is. Now some of you can relate. I can just this is, I've lived in this place. I've struggled with these things. I started a business. When uh, when we were young married, maybe our kids were like four, five, six, I started a home repair, remodeling business and snow removal because we lived in in Lake Tahoe. And I remember when I started the business, I couldn't sleep because I was starting out brand new and I'd never done business before. I couldn't sleep. I was constantly consumed with anxiety and fear because... Everything depended on me being able to be a success and put food on the table and clothes on my kids and and meet our needs. And and you know what? I I, bur- I kind of did this self-tormented thing for a, a month, about a month. And um finally Brooke got through to me one day and she said, Honey, are you trusting in God or are you trusting in you to be the provider for our family? And and I just just kind of realized, I'm trying to do this all myself. I'm not trusting God. Worrying was because I wasn't worshiping Him. I was exalting me as the provider of my home. So Jesus then gives us a couple examples. The first one He gives us is the example of birds related to food provision, God providing our food. And what does he say? The birds don't work for it. They don't do anything, and they, God provides their food, right? So he's saying you don't need to worry about what you're going to eat. Provision. Eat and drink. And then Jesus says this, can, aren't, no, first he says, and aren't you far more, this is in verse 26, Dale, if you want to put it back up. Verse 26. Aren't you more, valuable, far more valuable to God than birds are. Now, Jesus is not saying that animals are worthless to God, okay? He's saying animals have great value, but His people created in His image have much farther, higher value to God. You need to be able to say to yourself, and I need to be able to say to myself, I am valuable to God. I have great value to God. You need to be able to say that when, you're th- when things are going really hard. Not just when you're feeling good, but when you're struggling. Because that's when you really need to believe it. It's when things are going rough. I have great value to God. And I'm not saying that from some kind of an egotistic you know, making myself into being God type thing. But God says, Jesus says right here, we need to understand that God's going to meet all our needs because we are valuable to Him. Can you say to yourself, I have great value to God? Now, some of us were raised in homes where we didn't get that message from our parent or a teacher or a coach or something. My dad was not walking with the Lord when I was a a boy and he used a lot of words that I can't pronounce here when he called me a blank, blank brat or whatever it was. My dad would use his tongue to cut me down to try to get me to come into line when I was being unruly as a boy. Many of us grew up in homes where we were called names and we recognized that that did damage to us does damage to our kids, doesn't it? So we don't do that as believers. We speak things that build up. If we discipline, we discipline in love, and we discipline in ways that don't damage our kids. That I was raised in a home where my dad would pull out a stick or a belt and let us have it whenever we annoyed him. So what do you think I did when my little three-year-old started screaming? It wouldn't stop. No, I tried spanking him until he stopped crying. How do you think that worked? Nope. And my wife says, you're acting just like your dad did with you. And I went, oh, God, the very thing I didn't want to do, I'm doing. I'm sure I'm not the only one that experienced that. But I had to learn how to father that way. I had to learn. So God is saying to us, we've got to understand the value we have. Now, Jesus gives us another illustration, which is... um, In verse 28, it says, look at the flowers, look at the lilies of the field. They don't work, they don't make their own clothes, and yet God clothes them beautifully. Even King Solomon and all his splendor wouldn't be compared to the beauty of a flower. And I wish I would have had the time to put some flower pictures up, because I love flowers. I love to grow flowers, I love to grow fruit trees, I love to grow roses. And I just think they're just incredibly amazing. And again, in verse 30, Jesus says, if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. you believe that? He will certainly care for you. Well, what about if, if our economy goes down in the tank? What about if, if our government falls apart like the government of Lebanon did two weeks ago? What if, what if, what if? Does that change that God will certainly care for me, His child? It may be, Things may be hard, but does God ever going to let go? He's going to bring us through. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Maria, why don't you come up? We'll have an altar call right now. That's just about what I'm going to say here in a few minutes. Maria is saying it's our response. is everything, right? If God is saying, I want to care for you, and you're going, I don't trust you, I'm going to put my hope in this. I'm going to go out and buy a thousand rounds for my gun. I'm going to go and do this and build a shelter in the middle of Wyoming somewhere, hide in a cave. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Protect myself. Manage myself. Take, take, my own, take control of, of me and try to protect myself from what could happen on the earth. God is saying, I care for you. I'm the one that can help you. I can be there for you. I'm going to provide for you. And then Jesus asked this question, and Maria just asked, Why is your faith so small? Why do you have such little faith? The faith that believes what? That God really knows me and really cares for me and really is able to meet my needs where I am in my life and my circumstances right now. So I have this question here. How is our belief in God's care related to our faith in Him? If you have very low belief in God's care, how strong will your faith be? Nope. But if you are convinced God loves you and is able to take care of you and that you can trust Him, how strong is your faith going to be? Really strong. So then Jesus summarizes things in verses 31 through 33. He says, so don't worry about these things. And He lists basically two things, even though they're, they're similar What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Okay? Now, why does He pick those? They're very basic, aren't they? How far can we go without food and drink, food and water? Not very far. That's the the fuel that keeps us moving, right? Jesus is saying, don't worry about the basic needs you have. Clothing is nice to have, too, especially when you get to be my age. So he's saying, don't worry about these things. And then he he says, what does he say about those things? Who worries about those things? Who does Jesus say worry about those things? Unbelievers. Because they don't have God, right? They don't have any other alternative because they don't know that God is there for them. So all they can do is put their trust in themselves, or their daddy, or their grandpa, or their boss, and that's where they put their hope. And so that falls apart. No wonder they're worrying, right? So the Gentiles, which is unbelievers, different version, they're the ones that don't have a reason, I mean, have a good reason to worry because they don't know God. We should not be acting like an unbeliever, should we? And yet, how many times have I done that? Have I worried? When I lost my job in uh, Seattle in 1998 or nine? I had a remodeling business, and I worked for a big property management company that it, it had like 1,500 rental units, And I would go in and fix everything that broke in all those rental properties. And uh, one day they got mad at me because I was asking them, I need to get paid. It had been two weeks since they paid me. And they got tired of me and they hired somebody else. And they said, oh, we hired somebody else, goodbye. And I lost my, it was like 90% of my business in one fell swoop. And I went home and the next day somebody broke into my truck and stole all my tools. You know, I had about $1,500, $2,000 worth of hand tools, you know, skill saws. you name it. Big toolbox full of mechanics tools. They, they broke the canopy in my truck, the canopy window, and pulled it all th- through the window. I had one, piece, one tool left under a piece of wood. That was it. And I started to freak out. And the, and the Lord just began to speak to me and say, Do you trust me? Do you believe I care? And I, said, I, I just said, You know what, God? I am being tested. I am being tested, and I'm going to trust you. I went to church four or five days later, and uh, I just happened to mention that to a couple people that I needed a job. Nobody offered me anything, and I went to church again a week after that, and now the bills are coming in, and I didn't know what, it was in free fall, and, uh, and a guy walked up to me and says, are you still looking for a job? And I went, yes, please, tell me who it is, and he gave me a name and a phone number, and I called that number after I got home, and the guy answered the phone, and uh a a big construction company hired me the next day. I went to work on Monday, and I had a much better job than I had before in what I was working for myself. And it was an amazing job, and God provided. I never got behind in any of my bills. God took care of me, and He can take care of you. But Jesus says there's one thing that we've got to do if we really want God to meet our needs. And that's in verse 33. This is the one that This verse is so well known. We sing this in a song. He says, Seek first, or seek, the kingdom of God above all else. I learned it as a song. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Alleluia. Some of you remember that. That's fun. So Jesus is saying here, and again, this goes with the very first thing He said. You cannot serve two masters. You're going to have to give one of them up. You're going to have to put your eggs into God's basket. You're going to have to choose to put Him first in your life. What does that look like as a, as a dad? You've got two little kids, and, and baseball season is starting, and they've got homework, and Jennifer comes to you and says, I want your, your little one to, to be in our junior Bible quiz. It's only 15 to 20 minutes a, a night, three or four times a week, and them learning God's Word in their life. So if you put the kingdom of God first, are you going to say, I'm sorry, my kid's already got homework and baseball practice. We don't have time to add 15 minutes in for God's Word. You ever thought about that? What about if you're you're a wife and you're working a full-time job and your husband's working a job and somebody calls up and says, Hey, we have a women's Bible study at 7 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday mornings. We're doing it by Zoom right now because of COVID, but we want you to be a part of that. and you don't have any particular time of fellowship where God's Word's being poured into your life and you're getting a chance to interact with believers, you can say, you know what, I'm, a morning, I'm not a morning person, or maybe they could offer it in the evening. But, but if you're saying, my life is too full with my stuff, then who is your master? And which, uh, What are you seeking first? I want you to think about this in a very practical way. Seeking first God's kingdom and His righteousness, not my own. Then, Jesus says, if that is truly what's going on in your life, then all these things will be added to you. In other words, God's going to meet your food needs, your clothing needs, your housing needs, other needs that are explained in other passages of the Bible. But if you don't put Him first, can you expect God to meet all your needs? I mean He still might do some of them out of His mercy. And so really Jesus is saying, this really comes down to a worship issue, of who you're going to put first. And the worship issue really comes down to a trust issue. Do you really believe that God is worth trusting? Do you really believe He cares for you more than anybody else does? Do you really believe He is powerful and able to superintend all that's going on in the world? Because if you really believe that, then you're going to be free to worship Him. Now, why am I talking about all this stuff today? It's because... I believe there's stuff going to come upon our earth that's worse than we've already experienced in the last couple months. I'm not trying to be a prophet here. I'm just saying that that's what the Bible teaches, and it looks like the signs are beginning to happen in the world. And there, and one of the things we're going to do in the in the near future, I mean in in a few weeks actually, is we're going to be having a an adult class at 9:30 in the Sunday down the hall. Sunday's 9.30 adult class, we're going to talk about the things that are coming next. The things that are, the prophecies that are probably going to be happening in our lifetime. Maybe unfolding in the next couple years. Some of those things. We're going to talk about what we can do. How we can survive and not just survive, but thrive. But everything as far as our ability to navigate and surf the waves that are coming It's going to be dependent on this one simple thing. Is Jesus Lord? Or am I competing with other things with Him in my life? Is Jesus really, am I seeking His kingdom first? You know, I believe that there are an awful lot of Christians in the church in America in particular today because we've never faced... Suffering like our brothers and sisters in China, Russia, India, Thailand, you name it. The rest of the world, pretty much, except for maybe Western Europe in places. We are really pretty soft. We haven't had to fight for our faith. We haven't had to count the cost to name the name of Jesus. You know, and I really believe that we're going to see in our day a day when it says that because of tribulation, the love of many is going to grow cold. But yours doesn't have to. You can make a choice to surrender all to Him and put Him first, His kingdom first in your life. And see God bring you through whatever comes. I mean whatever. You may lose some material things because the world, our economy may take some major blows. It's rocking right now. But God can bring you through. But it's going to depend on your relationship with Him, whether you really trust Him and receive His love and care or whether you're trying to take care of yourself and a whole lot of other different avenues. As we close, I just want to ask a few questions. I want to read Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30 first. Who needs to come to Jesus today? Is there anybody in this house that needs to come to Jesus? Whether it's for the first time or maybe you need to come back. And when I'm done here, I want you to come up to the front and I will pray for you and help you to renew your walk with God or if you've never known Him, to come to experience Him and walking with Him for the first time. Who here this morning has been Worrying about food, clothing, home, safety, kids, health, other needs. That's you this morning. I'll just ask you to raise your hand if that's you. Have you been worrying about anything? Good, I'm not the only one because I struggle with this too. What I've learned is I have to get up every morning and reset. Every morning I have to get up and say, you are God. I am not. You are Lord. I am your child, and I will follow you today, Jesus. I'm good for one day. Generally, I have to fall down, get up a few times. Sometimes it's in one day. But every day I need to get up and do that again. So this morning, we're going to pray for you in just a moment. And along with that, do you need to repent for worrying instead of trusting Jesus? Man, I can go, Yes. I'm sure many of you can. Do you need a stronger grip on believing God really cares for you and will provide for you? Boy, I do. We're all in this together. And the last question I just talked about, tough times are coming on the United States. We really need to get this if we're going to make it through. So let me read this verse in Matthew 11. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light, because he carries the heavy end of it. So let's stand together. If you can, you don't have to stand up, Jim. You can <laughs> now Let's just close our eyes. And if you want to lift your hands, you can. So, God, I just thank you for our Calvary family and, and friends. And I just want to lift us up before you this morning. Lord, the message you gave me today isn't real complicated, but it's still hard because we have a hard time trusting, trusting you. Lord, this morning we come, and, and I know that I'm speaking for many of us when I, when I say, Lord God, I need a greater understanding. I need a greater revelation. I need to receive more deeply your love and your care for me so that when things start to get rough, I won't jump into the driver's seat and try to take over and steer the car again. God, I ask for your help. Open my eyes this morning. Open our eyes to see you, Lord. Lord to see Your majesty, to see Your power, to see Your glory, that we might put our trust in You. We might lean on You. Lord, I choose to repent for trusting in myself, trusting in the stuff, the gifts that the Giver has given me, rather than looking at the Giver. Father, forgive me for trusting in my things. God, I renew my trust in you. Jesus, I choose to put your kingdom first in my life. And I ask that you'd help me experience your righteousness through a greater way. Lord, I pray for all of us here this morning, Lord, that we can all say, Jesus, nobody else has ever died for me on the cross. Nobody else has given me their life. I receive you I receive your lordship. I've come and I arrange myself underneath your control. And Lord, I put my future into your hands, the future of my family and my kids, my, my house, everything I have. And I say, Lord, show me how to walk with you as we go forward from this day. God, help me to be a daddy that puts your kingdom first, a mommy that puts your kingdom first a grandfather, or grandmother that puts your kingdom first. Help me to choose with my time that we all have the same amount of time every day to make sure that I'm not putting myself and my other agendas ahead of you. Oh God, have mercy and help us apply what you're speaking to us. We ask it now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Again, if anybody desires to be prayed for or to talk to me, I'm going to hang out up front.